0: invite uh, the deacons uh, who were on the deacons retreat this past weekend, uh, and any deacon that wants to participate, who just may not know the song, uh, to, to make their way forward at this time. I'm going to do something a little special for you for you this morning, and those deacons that make their way forward, you can just kind of stand around and gather around this mic, right here, come on the stage, so everybody can see your beautiful faces. what we'd like to do for you this morning is sing a song that we learned this past week. The title, Be Bold Our God. You're welcome to sing with us.
1: He came and uh, spent the weekend uh, with us, and I thank uh, all the women. I got a great lesson out of being with us. One of the first <laughs> things that he said yeah, be, um, when got he got there was he passed out a piece of paper and asked everybody to put it on the floor. So he did everybody to do that. And he asked us uh, to send it on a paper. One of the things. The pointy brought up over the weekend was how we have been um, dealing with problems in our, our lives, lives or problems lives in the church.
0: And at the end, we
1: recognize the problem, the things that aren't going the way, way that we think they should. they should. And we want to fix the problem. Because as again, we're the end, we're fixers. And, so, and so we start looking for where the problem may be. and Maybe it's a Sunday school
2: teacher um, that we don't don't think is doing what they should. should. Maybe Maybe it's another church church member that that may not be helping like they should. Maybe it's a pastor pastor of the church that's not not handling the situation like we we thought they should. Um, But
1: the problem is that no matter how hard we try, try. we'll never be able to.
0: retreat we saw god bless in a uh, wonderful wonderful way and i appreciate every one of our uh, deacons and the work that god is doing in our deacon deacon ministry you've probably heard me mention in the last few weeks uh, we've seen sort of a, a revival in that group and a newfound excitement enthusiasm and we're very very thankful for that and we know uh, that it's uh, god's grace and power working in and through each of these uh, wonderful wonderful men Well, we still have several components to the service. Uh, I actually uh, shared a message uh, last Sunday. I knew I had just needed a standalone message with uh, sort of our upcoming schedule, and so I uh, shared a message on the filling of the Holy Spirit. Fully intended to complete that message, did not. Uh, if I have one fault, no, I have definitely more than one fault. Uh, but one of my biggest faults, in terms of a, of a preacher, is I, I very often try to bite off more than uh, one person could ever accomplish uh, in one message, and I, I, I realize that, and that happened uh, last week. So I, I do want to uh, uh, finish the message, and uh, we'll move through that uh, quickly, then we'll move right into the Lord's Supper, and then as we come out of the Lord's Supper, we have the uh, wonderful opportunity and privilege and joy Uh, to set apart Jonathan Merritt uh, to serve as an elder here at Edgewood Baptist uh, Church before we move to our chili uh, cook-off downstairs. So I hope you picked up a copy of the sermon notes. There is no PowerPoint for this message, so you're going to need to work off the uh, sermon notes. And like I said, uh, I'm going to move pretty quickly through this and especially this uh, first uh, part of the uh, review of what we did last week. If you just look at the sermon notes, you'll notice the message is divided into two parts. What is the filling of the Holy Spirit? And then if you turn your sheet over, you'll see how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday, we completed the entire section on what is the filling of the Holy Spirit, which I'll begin with a brief review, and then we'll conclude by that looking at that final section, how to be filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. Now, with me moving quick, no PowerPoint, uh, sometimes you may get behind, but let me just remind you, you can go to the church website, and you can get an audio or a video of any of the messages, and you can also download a copy of the sermon notes. And so if uh, you don't get a blank filled in or whatever, you can just go right to the church website, download a copy of the uh, sermon notes, and you can have all that information uh, right there. Uh, but what is, uh, what is the filling of the Holy Spirit? So this whole first part is review, these, uh, the first uh, five points that you see there in your sermon notes, and of course the importance of the filling of the Holy Spirit, and we uh, of course emphasized this much more last Sunday, uh, was it provides us uh, the power uh, to accomplish God's plans and purposes uh, for our lives. Uh, we have a work to finish as believers. We have a uh, calling to fulfill that God has placed on our lives. And He's uh, provided us the filling of the Holy Spirit uh, to provide the grace, to provide the power that we need to accomplish His plans For our lives, and we talked about last week. There's nothing more frustrating than to know the plan, uh, but uh, but uh, fail to uh, know the power to be able to execute that plan, and that's what leads many believers to frustration when they're just met with constant failure. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is the key to victory in the Christian life. So again, going to run through these first five points just very very quickly. Uh, I'm going to make a little, if any, comment at all. Just walk through the points and the verses before we move into the final section. So point number one, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not an option to consider, but a command to obey. It's not an option to consider, but a command to obey. Our primary verse, Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, probably the most important thing that we saw right up front, what is in the Greek text, the Greek grammar, uh, that phrase, be filled with the Holy Spirit, is in the passive voice, which simply means, I don't fill myself with the Holy Spirit. It's God that fills me, but God fills me as I meet certain conditions. And so it is a command to be fulfilled. I am commanded to meet those conditions necessary to be filled, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, point number two. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not the coming of the Spirit into my life but the controlling of the Spirit within my life. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not the coming of the Spirit into my life but the controlling of the Spirit of the Spirit within my life. We saw very, very clearly last week that the moment an individual places his faith in Jesus Christ, he receives as a gift from God the person of the Holy Spirit to come dwell within his life. Romans 8, 9, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Ephesians 1:13 cannot have a much clearer verse than this. Uh, and when you believed, notice when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own. How? By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. And then First Corinthians six nineteen. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? And so, when we go back to that phrase, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit." Uh, we looked at three different ways that word is used in the New Testament. And it further emphasizes uh, what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. Uh, that word is uh, used at different times for empowerment. The second way it's used is for permeation, which simply means to affect every part of um, uh, for, some, for Christ's life to literally be diffu- diffused into every aspect of my being, that he might be formed in me to be displayed through me. But the primary use of this word is that third one, control. Control. So empowerment, permeation for, uh, to affect every part, and then control. And this is why being drunk with wine is given as a contrast to the filling of the Holy Spirit. He's saying... Don't be drunk with wine. Don't come under the influence. Don't come under the control of alcohol or any other substance. Instead, you be influenced, you be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we saw how in the book of Acts, uh, whenever we see the filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, you see the Uh, children of uh, God, especially the disciples, uh, empowered with courage and boldness uh, to make Christ known in their their culture. Look at the third truth that we looked at last week. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not getting charismatic gifts, but growing in Christlike character. You don't need to associate the filling of the Holy Spirit with various gifts it's, the issue, rather, is growing in Christ-like character. Of course, now, the filling of the Holy Spirit does have an influence on how we exercise our gifts. We want to exercise those gifts filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled, influenced by the Holy Spirit, so that we don't misuse or abuse uh, our giftings. Look at Ephesians 3, verses 16 and 17. I pray that from His glorious... Unlimited resources, He, God, will empower you where with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your heart as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So, the primary purpose of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ, to make Christ known to you, to take you deep into His life. That, you, that His life might be demonstrated through you. Look at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, like Jesus, as we are changed into His glorious image. And then John 15, 5. Yes, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in Me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from Me... You can do nothing. In other words, through faith in Christ, we were broken off of that plant of sin, that tree of sin, and grafted into the vine of Christ, grafted into the wounds of Christ that we'll celebrate uh, through the Lord's Supper this morning. And why were we united with Christ? That we might draw our life from Him. And that life is found. If we follow the analogy in the sap of the Holy Spirit, grafted into the vine that we might know that flow of the sap of the Holy Spirit into our branch bringing health and bringing that health in order to produce fruit. And as we talked about last week, you've never seen a vine eat its own fruit. No, it produces fruit that others might find nourishment. So as we know the filling of the Holy Spirit... God produces in and through our lives the fruits of the Spirit. Our lives, our church becomes an oasis of Jesus to those in a lost world. Out from our lives flow His light, His life, His love, His grace, His truth that believers might be edified, that unbelievers might come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their as their Savior. And then uh, our fourth truth that we looked at last week. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an experience to be sought. We talked about how so many believers are always looking for some special experience that's going to take them into some uh, supernatural level of spirituality. It doesn't work that way. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an experience to be sought. It is a relationship to be maintained. The Holy Spirit is a person Yes, a person with power, but first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a person. And the key to the filling of the Holy Spirit is how I am relating to that person who dwells inside of me. And look at these three verses that all emphasize how we are to relate to the Holy Spirit as believers. Ephesians 4.30, do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live. In other words, what's that talking about? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? When you choose to sin. When you choose to do those things that grieve God, that dishonor, that displeases God. And you understand, sin always damages a relationship. Whether it's between me and you, or whether it's between me and God. That is the effect of sin. It damages relationships, and it damages our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If sin is in control of my life, it's obvious the Holy Spirit is not. And uh, that's the simple point. Then look at the second verse there in 1 Thessalonians five nineteen. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. This is the other side of the coin. You stifle the Holy Spirit by not choosing to do what you ought to do, by not following God's leading, by not following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's like putting water on a fire. And this is how we become lukewarm and without passion in our Christian lives. And then Galatians 5.25, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then the fifth truth that we saw last week, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not an option to thrill the saved. I'm sorry, it's not an emotion. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not an emotion to thrill the saved, but an empowerment to reach the lost. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In other words, God has given us the filling of the Holy Spirit First and foremost, to form Christ in me, to be displayed in me for the purpose of drawing others to the saving knowledge of Christ. And if I'm not given over to that purpose, which is God's heart and God's priority, then I will not know the filling of the Holy uh, Spirit. So, you could just sum it up in this way. Uh, We have the Holy Spirit as believers. You're never called upon to seek something that you already possess. So the issue is not me getting more of the Holy Spirit, but what? The Holy Spirit getting more of me. More of Andy Merritt under his control, under his influence. And that is the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now that was a very, very quick review. Again, you can go to the church website, and, uh, and uh, that was expanded upon uh, in a much greater way last, last week. So let's uh, finish this message up as we move into the Lord's Supper. How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, I'll move through this quickly. Uh, The points are not complicated. Uh, Sometimes they're difficult to live. Uh, But uh, I don't think there'll be too much difficulty in understanding the truth. Number one, surrender to Jesus. Where Jesus conquers, the Spirit controls. Where Jesus conquers, the Spirit controls. I mean, this would be a very obvious point. If the, Holy, if the filling of the Holy Spirit is not me getting more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit getting more of me under His control, it's obvious, therefore, I have to relinquish control of my life. I have to surrender every aspect of my life. I have to submit to God's authority, realizing I live to serve His agenda, not my agenda. I live to seek His approval, not the applause, to receive the applause of men. So it is all about Him and making sure I'm rightly related to Him relinquishing control to him. I've given him the freedom to arrange the affairs of my life in the way that he deems best, to accomplish his plans and purposes. The second truth that's a condition of being filled with the Holy Spirit, not only surrender to Jesus, but I must maintain a clear conscience by confessing all sin to God. Where the blood cleanses, the Spirit fills. Where the blood cleanses, the Spirit fills. In other words, perfection is not a condition for the Holy Spirit because none of us are perfect. Uh, we're unperfect individuals. We're, we're sinners, sinners saved by grace, but we're all still struggling. So God doesn't make perfection a condition for the filling of the Holy Spirit, but what He does make as a condition is to walk before Him in total honesty and transparency. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're going to excuse the sin in your life. If you're going to try to justify the sin in your life. If you're going to try to blame others for the sin in your life. If you're going to try to minimize that sin in your life. The filling of the Holy Spirit requires that I know at any given moment that there is nothing between me and God or me and another person that I have not sought to make right as far as it is possible with me. With God, I've confessed all known sin, and I've forsaken that. And I've turned to Him as my first love, greatest passion, and pursuit. And with others, I've done everything in my power. I may not control their response, but at least from on my part, I've sought to build a bridge. I've sought to make peace, whether it was received or rejected. But I can say before God and before all men, I have a clear conscience. Look at Acts 24, verse 16. Paul said, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. I think it was Bill Bright of uh, Campus Crusade, the founder of Campus Crusade, that talked about spiritual breathing, uh, where he talked about we exhale in confession our sin, and then we inhale God's forgiveness. And you just continue to live life just as you walk moment by moment, uh, and as God uh, puts different uh, conviction on you about issues, you confess that. And as you confess that, then you receive God's uh, forgiveness, uh, knowing that you're walking with Him with nothing between Him and you. Look at the third truth, very, very important. Learn, love, and live God's Word. Learn, love, and live God's Word. When God's Word is obeyed, the Spirit empowers When God's Word is obeyed, the Spirit empowers. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 5. And then also turn to Colossians 3. I just want to show you something very quickly. I wish I had more time for this. But uh, it's a very, very simple truth, but a very powerful truth. And uh, it leads us to uh, this very powerful application that uh, when God's Word is obeyed, the Spirit empowers. What I want you to notice in in The Ephesians passage, the command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In the Colossians passage, the command is fundamentally to be filled with God's Word, to be filled with Christ's Word. And then in both passages, it gives you the evidences that you'll see in the life of a person filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidences that will be seen in the life of a person that is filled with God's Word. And the interesting thing, they're almost like identical passages. Uh, The the, the fruit, the evidence, is the same in both. Look first at Ephesians 5, 518. It says, uh, and do not be drunk with wine, as we talked about, for there is dissipation. and ruin your life, but be filled with the Spirit. And then notice the evidences, or the fruit of the filling. What will happen when a person is filled with the Spirit? He'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, our tongues is controlled by what? What's in our hearts. And when my heart is filled with God, when it's controlled by the Spirit of God, being influenced by the... By, that's going to be evidenced in my speech as I relate to others. But not only that, notice singing and making melody with your heart to God. There'll be that freedom and that delight in joy and worship as, as I sing, as I praise. And then look at verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. I'm empowered to give thanks to God in, in all circumstances, knowing God ultimately is in control. And although I may not can see it right now, He's going to cause even this to work for my good in His greater glory. Therefore, I'm able to give thanks in all things and then he says be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So he says be filled with the holy spirit and when a person is filled with the holy spirit here will be the evidence. You'll see it in their speech, you'll see it in their singing, their worship, giving thanks in all things as a which is an evidence of their trust in God that that he's reliable, that the one who uh, loves me the most, knows what is best for me so I can rest in him and, and thank him regardless of the circumstances. And then this matter of, of being subject to one another, serving one another, following God's plan. And now go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. You know, it talks about letting that message of Christ and all its richness uh, fill uh, your life. And then what will be the results? Notice, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Notice again, he's saying if a person's life is truly filled with God's Word, it will be evidenced in the way he speaks. You'll see it in his worship, in his, uh, as he praises God. Uh, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We talked about thanksgiving, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. And then verse 18, wives, be subject to your husbands. He moves into God's plan for the home, God's order for the home. And don't miss that. A wife can never be what, God desires us to be. A husband can never be what God desires him to be or children to be what God desires them to be without the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's God's control, God's empowerment in our lives that enables us to fulfill the role and the responsibilities that God has given us in the home and in every realm of life as He is that power at work in us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, here's the point. When you look at this, remember what I said at the very beginning, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's in the passive voice in the Greek grammar. I don't feel myself. It's God that fills me, right, as I meet certain conditions where here's the basic condition. When you look at the Colossians 3.16 in the Greek grammar, it's in the active voice. Let the message of Christ and all of fill you. That's my responsibility. My responsibility before God is to get in God's Word to learn God's Word, to love God's Word, to be committed to living God's Word, obeying God's Word. And as I welcome God's Word in my life with the attitude to obey it, to apply it, to appropriate it, then God says, I will come with empowerment to enable you to do exactly that. And then look at the last truth, so important. Yield to God in times of adversity. Where there is brokenness, the Spirit is released. This is probably one of the most neglected truths about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Reality is when we come to know Christ, uh, you know, we have not arrived. And there's still a lot of the old habits, a lot of the old ways of thinking, living. Uh, and, uh, and as a result of that, uh, we often put up great resistance uh, to God. And God in His infinite mercy... Uh, will bring brokenness to our lives. And it's in that brokenness that we learn what? Dependence upon God. That apart from God, I can do nothing. In other words, let me state it this way. I'm perfectly, I'm, I'm personally convinced of this. I don't believe the disciples would have ever known the filling of the Holy Spirit without the denial of Christ first. Because there was something that they learned in the denial of Christ that I don't know that they could have learned any other place. It was in their denial of Christ that this is what they learned. It was not that they would not. In other words, they they wanted to please God. They wanted to follow Jesus. I mean, I mean, look at Peter's bold statement. Oh, although all, all should deny you, all be faithful to death. And the gospel tells all the disciples harped in and said, Yeah, yeah, we too. What they learned in that denial was, it was not that they would not, it was that they could not, that they were totally, absolutely impotent in their own strength and power to please God, which drove them into the depths of dependency, and when you're dependent you know what, you know what the evidence of dependency? There's a desperation, because you realize if I don't get to God, there is no hope for me. So that brokenness brings that dependency. That dependency drives that desperation. That desperation what? Drives me to be determined to get to God because I know he's my only hope. He's my only source of power to accomplish what he's desired me to accomplish. Good example of this, Second Corinthians 12, 9, out of Paul's life. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. And in the context, it fits perfectly with what we're saying. Because do you remember why Paul said God gave him the thorn in the flesh? To keep him from being prideful. See, God knows you. He knows me. He knows our tendencies and our vulnerabilities. And what Paul is confessing is... God knew my vulnerability. He knew my tendency to be exalted, to puff myself up in pride because of even the spiritual experiences and walk that I've had with God. So to keep me from pride, to keep me from exalting myself, he gave me a thorn. He brought brokenness into my life. He brought pain into my life to drive me to see my dependency upon him, to become desperate, to realize it's only when I'm weak. That I'm truly strong because it's only then that I'm leaning on God and not trusting in my own ability or my own resources. And then look at that last bullet point. Brokenness is the lifelong process. You might want to circle that phrase. It is a lifelong process of God using adversity to shatter all self-will and self-reliance in order to create absolute submission and reliance on God as a channel through which the Holy Spirit is released in the believer's life to reproduce Christ's character for the benefit of others. Amen? So as we go into the Lord's Supper this morning, what a great opportunity for you to respond. I mean, this, this is a message that requires response. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as you come forward, as you go back to your seat, take this opportunity. Give control of your life to Jesus. Relinquish control in every area of your life. Put yourself under the spotlight of God's holiness. Is there anything between you and God that you need to make Right? Is there anything between you and another person that you need to commit to attempt to make right at your earliest opportunity? And then renew your commitment to the Word of God, to get in the Word of God, to learn God's Word, to love God's Word, to live God's Word. Not just to be a hearer of God's Word, but a doer of God's Word. And then, what adversity are you experiencing right now? Maybe this is God's call for you. You've been resisting God. You've been mad at God, upset with God because of what you're going through. And God's just been waiting for you to relinquish control, to say, yes, I believe the one who loves me most knows what is best for me. And so I'm going to thank you for this, although I can't understand it right now. I don't know exactly what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. That in this process, you're going to bring me to a deeper depth of brokenness. You'll bring me to a greater understanding of my dependency upon you. Creating a greater desperation in my life for you. That will propel me to be determined to know you. To follow you. Because you are my only hope. So take this opportunity to take these truths and apply them to your life. Men, would you take your positions... And then bow with me in prayer. We are told on the night in which Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he took the wine, Um, sharing that with the disciples, of course, the bread representing the body of Christ that was given for you on Calvary's cross and the blood that represented his blood that spilt on that cross uh, to pay for the penalty of your sin and uh, to give you new life and so father as we come to uh, remember your son who he is what he did for us lord i do pray that as we turn our eyes on Him and His sacrifice, that that would provide us the grace to relinquish control of our lives to You, to surrender to Jesus, knowing that when we're conquered by You, that we will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That as we look on that sacrifice that Jesus made for our sin, it would motivate us to be totally honest and transparent with you in these moments that you would put your finger on anything that would be between us and you or any other person and by your grace we would confess to know your forgiveness to have the assurance that we're a clean vessel nothing between us and you because truly where the blood cleanses the spirit will fill and then, Lord, that we would renew our commitment to your Word, um, to reverence it, to be attentive to it, to appreciate it, uh, to, to, again, learn it, love it, live it, knowing that when we step out in obedience to your Word, we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then, Lord, give us the grace to surrender to you in our adversity, in our pain, that we would see it as Paul saw it as a thorn that you use not only to deflate our pride, not only to break our self-will and self-reliance, but to open our eyes to see our utter and absolute impotence apart from you, our total dependence on you, our desperation for you, and that this day we would acknowledge that and, like Paul, We would even rejoice in our adversity, the pain that we're experiencing, knowing when we're weak, then we are strong as you kick those crutches out from underneath of us that we so easily lean upon as substitutes for you and that you would teach us to lean on you. So again, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice on Calvary's cross, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray, amen. I'm going to ask Jonathan. You know, uh, I guess about six weeks ago, I don't know the exact date, when uh, Jonathan was uh, presented uh, to you by the elders uh, to serve as, uh, as an elder, uh, and by our constitution, there was a four-week period where anyone in the church family could express any concerns and for those to be uh, resolved. And, uh, and so we are prepared now. Uh, Elders, not manfully to uh, present him to serve as uh, an elder. And so, you uh, know, Jonathan has previously been ordained into the uh, gospel of ministry. So today, we're simply setting him apart to serve as an elder here at uh, Edgewood Baptist Church. Jonathan, you've been here now 15 years. Uh, him and his family uh, and from brought here to serve as our minister of education and served in that capacity uh, ever since.
2: So right now I'm going to
0: ask uh, all of our deacons and elders if you would sort of surround Jonathan. I'm going to share from God's Word. Uh, uh, Jonathan, when we do come to the point of actually praying, laying on hands, if you would not mind getting on your knees before God, Uh, but right now let me just... uh, use God's Word uh, to give uh, uh, Jonathan his uh, charge. I'm just going to draw from uh, several passages uh, from 2nd uh, Second, Second Timothy. So you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lust, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wrong, and with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive, captive by him to do his will. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ He's Jesus will be persecuted, the evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to, bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and have become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be we ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. For wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And turn away their ears from the truth. And will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. I'm uh, Jonathan, if you would bow, uh, Alan Adam, Adams will you offer the prayer of dedication uh, to surrender to Jonathan. Well, Alan has a deep love and relationship with Jonathan for many, many years and I wanted to give him that, that privilege.
2: Father, indeed it is an honor, Lord, to uh, bring Jonathan forth as a the day of our church. And Father, you convicted by heart early on of his qualifications, Lord. Please demonstrate that through his service here. Father, we thank you for raising up such men. And Lord, uh, even as much so, Lord, we ask you to continue to be the power of work in him, enabling him, Lord, to worship you first and foremost, to honor you ahead of everything else, Lord, and hold fast to the truth. So Lord, I just ask you to bless him in his ministry here among us, give him great wisdom give great courage as he moves forward. For the new agent in which we move now is full of deception and requires a man of discernment in order to be able to rule as an elder during this time. Lord, give him a sense of uh, love for the body of Christ and a, cons- a genuine concern for the well-being and protection. Lord, allow him to minister with discernment. And Lord, do with great love. For your glory in Christ's name,
0: Amen. Amen. You. <coughs> you know, give you give a little
1: love to Johnson, you